This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 26th of March 2021. And happy birthday, Norman. I'm assuming you're turning 64 again so that you're still eligible for the AstraZeneca vaccine. What do you mean 64? <laughs> 54, 54. What do you mean 54? 40? Yeah. One? 44. You don't look a day over 43. Thank you. Well, let's kick off today by talking about the AstraZeneca vaccine and not in a cheery way. We're hearing more about the detail around the rare clotting disorders that seem to maybe be associated with it. And we've got some official advice now from the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation. What are they saying? So just to be clear, this is the group that advises the Commonwealth on on vaccines and vaccine policy. And it consists of infectious disease experts and vaccine experts from around the country. And what they've done is they've considered the evidence the bottom line of what they say is that there's no general increase in the risk of thrombosis, which is absolutely true. What's increased is this rare condition, which is called cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. So this is where you've got this thrombosis in the veins draining the brain, which can cause a stroke, and in this case is associated with low platelet count. And they've considered the evidence available, and they have said that there should be an advisory. But given that investigations are continuing, they say, and I quote, for the time being, Ataki recommends that vaccination with any COVID-19 vaccine should be deferred for people who have a history of the following rare conditions. This is until further information from ongoing investigations in Europe is available and is only a precautionary measure. And one, that's people with a confirmed medical history of past cerebral venous sinus thrombosis and or people with a confirmed medical history of heparin-induced thrombocytopenia. Now, heparin-induced thrombocytopenia is where you take the anticoagulant heparin, it reacts with a chemical in the blood or a little a hormone in the blood called platelet factor 4 and antibodies are created to that complex and platelets are reduced in number but also become more sticky and liable to clot. It's a rare condition. Now it's thought that what is happening with the Astra vaccine is HIT, heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, without the women having taken heparin. In other words, they're finding the same sort of antibodies, but no history of heparin. And so the theory is that it's the vaccine causing this complex which creates the antibodies against the platelets. So that's what they're saying at the moment. But they're, they're applying it to all vaccines. Not clear why it's all COVID-19 vaccines. It could be because there is a history of thrombocytopenia with both Moderna and Pfizer, but no history of clots as far as we know. I think the Canadians have put a product warning on Astra, just for the, for the time being, specifically, which is very similar to the Otagi advice, but they haven't said it across Pfizer and Moderna. So they're being cautious here. You know, there are a long list of conditions which increase your risk of cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, and it's not at all clear which of those may or may not be associated that might heighten the risk of getting CVST with the Astra vaccine, and that remains to be seen. And it's things like having a genetic tendency to have to blood clots, being pregnant, various other things. And there's no sign of that in the German data. So we just need to wait. I mean, these are the reasons why you wait and see.
It does seem to be very rare. So uh, Professor Alan Cheng is the co-chair of ATAGI, the group that we just mentioned before, and our producer Will Ockenden talked to him yesterday and Professor Cheng said that as of earlier this week there were 18 cases reported in 20 million vaccinations. So the risk, although it looks like there is a risk there, seems to be very, very low. Yeah, there's lots of weird things happening with this and it just is a bit of it's a bit messy at the moment. The the Germans claim it's more like 12 per million. In other words, well, say one in 150,000. The Finns think it's more common than that. But you've got the whole of the UK with, with many millions of vaccines and they're not reporting it. But many countries are still got to get down to that age group, 55 and under. So the report, it may be a selective under-reporting, but even that's not clear at the moment. So it's all a bit up in the air. It is rare. Otagi is just being cautious about this. Now, this is not... Um, a product warning on the label. That's um, for the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, to do, and it's not clear whether they're going to do that at the moment, but that's advice for doctors. What I understand is that the German group are producing, uh, are giving advice on to countries on how to develop a test for this uh, antibody complex with heparin and the platelet antibodies, so that if somebody does get a headache four days after the Astra vaccine, they can be tested fairly quickly to find out whether there's a chance that they've got this hit and treated appropriately. And the appropriate treatment is not using heparin or warfarin. It's using alternate anticoagulants. And I I understand in a small group of patients that they've seen, they get good results. I know that uh, there's people who are listening to this who are going to be concerned about it. And so we asked Alan Cheng sort of how many Australians would be likely to sort of fit into the group that is kind of it's relevant, that this advice is relevant to. And he said it wouldn't be many, perhaps a couple of hundred people across Australia. So very rare and a, quite a small uh, impact on Australia's vaccine rollout. Yep, that's right. So Norman, what's the end game with all this blood clotting, um, with all these question marks that are swelling around still? While we've been talking about this clot problem, and run, we run the risk of creating vaccine hesitancy by talking about it. By not talking about it, I think you actually increase vaccine hesitancy because people realise that it's going on. And the outcome is liable to be that it may well be cause and effect. Uh, we'll probably never get to that with a degree of certainty. But the sort of recommendation that Atagi has made, which is that here's a, a subgroup of people who need to be careful about this uh, moving forward. Um, The question is whether or not the German data can get down to that degree of refinement or whether it's just going to be blindly 55 years and under females because that's very uncertain at the moment. And remember, finally, that what we're doing this year in terms of effectiveness of the Astra vaccine is that we're turning COVID-19 into the common cold so that people don't die of it and we can become less anxious about it. And future generations of the vaccine will do that job even more effectively. And of course, we just want to be transparent with our audience, treat you like grown-ups, keep you abreast of what's happening overseas and, yeah, keep you across this information as it comes to hand. And then there's also new data from the US on the efficacy of the Astra vaccine, sort of showing that it's actually got higher efficacy numbers than was reported in that initial, um, those those initial results that came out a few months ago. Yes. Well, this is the, this is still by press release. So a couple of days ago, they released their, I think it was on Monday, Astra released their trial data from the United States trial showing 79% efficacy. A few hours later, the Independent Monitoring Committee reported in saying they were unhappy with that, that they felt that they were not reporting in all the cases and didn't reflect discussions that they'd been having with Astra. Astra have subsequently come out with another press release saying that with the, with the updated data, 
which shows that it's 76% efficacious. So not much different from the original announcement. We've yet to hear from the Independent Monitoring Committee, at least at the time we're recording this CoronaCast, uh, and hopefully that sorts it out. Are we expecting to see more data coming out in the coming months that will further refine these figures? Because the numbers, the, effic- the efficacy numbers for Astra really have been bouncing around quite a lot. Well, we're now post-trial and we're now seeing the effectiveness numbers. When you, when you do a trial, you select the people for the trial, the, you exclude others, it's not real world, and it's very carefully monitored. When you put it out into the real world, it, it's out there with all the messiness of, of real world situations. And that's when you find whether it's effective in the real world rather than efficacious in a trial. And the effectiveness looks pretty good in terms of what you're getting out of the English uh, public health reporting, the Scottish public health reporting. You do seem to be seeing high degrees of effectiveness, particularly for severe disease. It's not up at 100%, but it's pretty close. Well, Norman, it's Friday and we haven't done Quick Five Friday for a little while, so let's do one today. And starting with this question... Do we think that the latest European wave will hit the UK when they get out of lockdown or has the Kent variant already been rife in the UK and their rapid rollout of vaccines flipped the order of things with the UK having their recent wave before it hit Europe? Well, the UK is vulnerable for the next few months because there's a 12 week, like us, there's a 12 week gap between immunisations. So they're not going to be fully immunised for a while and therefore vulnerable. And they're going to be vulnerable because they haven't still not uh, immunise the majority of people in the UK. So they're going to be, they are going to be vulnerable, but hopefully the degree of immunisation they've already got will reduce the burden of virus in the community. So it's they're vulnerable to it, um, but not as vulnerable as they were. This is a question that we've gotten from lots of different people in various permutations. Given the concerns around clots and the Astra vaccination, is it a reasonable idea to take a small dose of aspirin for a time after receiving the Astra jab? I think you've got to be very careful about taking anything that you might think sounds like a good idea in terms of platelets because the evidence out of Germany is that traditional ways of treating anticoagulation may make it worse. It's not known whether aspirin might make it worse or better. You're better not taking anything. Do we have an update on the Novavax vaccine? Will that is that going to be rolled out here in Australia? And who makes it? And also remind us, is it an mRNA vaccine? So it's not an mRNA vaccine. It's actually the spike protein itself, which gets directly injected into your body with an immune stimulant. We have bought, I think, many millions of doses for here in Australia, but it'll be manufactured overseas. And final one, this person has had the first jab of AstraZeneca this week. She's a 57-year-old female with a chronic disease. Second jab's due in 12 weeks, but she's going to be away travelling around Australia, thinking of getting her second vaccine before she goes. She's been told that she could have it between four and 12 weeks after the first. So what does the science suggest is the optimum time? And is is four weeks too short? Well, what we know from the trial data is if you get the immunisation at four weeks, the effectiveness or the efficacy is 62% at preventing any symptom, but it's still nearly 100% at preventing severe disease. So, But if you want a higher efficacy at preventing any symptom and probably preventing transmission at a higher level, you've got to go out to 12 weeks where the numbers are up again on the high 80%. So it's really a question for yourself. At four weeks, you will protect yourself against severe disease, but you won't get the maximum amount of protection that you could have got at 12. Well, that's all we've got time for on CoronaCast today and for this week. But of course, as always, send in your questions and comments to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you on Monday. See you then.